All right. Hey, welcome back to the Gopher CEO channel where we interview CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurs. And super excited, man. I just keep on bringing you a list of stud and studettes. And this stud is off the chain. All right. And he does some incredible work in different areas of business, but uh, he is the CEO of Kalamaka Inc. So my boy from Clubhouse to the Gopher CEO channel, what's going on, Mr. Shadow? Oh, man, always a pleasure, John the Bomb. Building others means business. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I do. I, I got to intro myself better. But uh, yeah, no, hey, thank you so much for that. Uh, you know, and it was, it's been so cool over the last probably three to four months to get to know you. You've got this killer setup. Uh, you're in the ink <laughs> business, but you did all this technology stuff to really sound great be present and doing some great stuff. So stay tuned because at the end of this video, we're going to drop some bombs that Shadow's going to share with you about the audio business that he's also developed. But today we're going to talk about Kalamaka Inc. So uh, Shadow, tell us a little bit about the experience of what really set in your mind and how you started Kalamaka Inc. <laughs> so um, people always ask me what, why I became a tattoo artist. They're like, man, you must have really loved, uh, you must really love artwork. You must've been drawn since you're a kid. Uh, ironically, it was revenge. Uh, revenge is what got me into tattooing. Um, so I just had a horrible marriage and she, it was a whole tragic thing, but I was determined to succeed from there. So basically I looked at all my options and different things and Tattooing gave me the ability to check all the boxes. So I spent five years teaching myself to draw. I got out, got my apprenticeship immediately, and the rest is history. I love it. I love it. So how long have you had Kalamaka Inc.? Uh, I have owned Kalamaka Inc. for seven, eight years now. Eight years. Okay. Yep. And bef before that, give us maybe that six months just before you transitioned into this business and that idea of like, look, I'm going to get into this world. What was the transition? Like, were you working a job? Did you have another business? Uh, what was that transition of learning to really get yourself prepared to launch Kalamaka? Oh, I wasn't prepared in any way, shape or form. Um, <laughs> I, I had basically completed my uh, apprenticeship in another town south of here. And I moved back to my hometown. I went looking for a job and I managed to find part-time work as a tattoo artist. I was working manual labor part-time, tattooing part-time. And then a pretty girl basically got my spot. Uh, <laughs> the tattoo world is very, very interesting. So I went looking for another job, couldn't find one. And I kind of got stuck into a spot where it's like, well, if you really want to do what you love, you've got to build it yourself. So I open, opened it first as a small, small space in the back of a barbershop. And three years later, I upgraded to a 1700 square foot shop. And now I am the most requested artist in the county. Oh, that's amazing, man. So it, within a three to four year period, you really built this uh, incredible business out of really thin air, right? Um, so tell us a little bit about, I, I love hearing the, the beginning stories. You know, a lot of people love to see and, and they'll look up Kalamaki Inc. They'll be like, man, this is incredible. Look at this guy. What, what beautiful art, the people, the famous people, the, the red, regular people that he's done. But they didn't realize they didn't really see the behind the barbershop. So what was that negotiation? How why did you think of like, hey, was it because they had clients and then it was kind of an easy maybe, uh, you know, uh, I guess, sell to your uh, tattooing? Tell us a little bit about that process. So it, 
they they had space that was cost effective. Um, the people, the people were already interested in tattoos, and so was the whole uh, the whole staff were already into the tattoo thing. So I knew that by by putting myself in that environment, they would be talking about me to all their clients. And when they're they're putting you know fifty people, hundred people through the barbershop a day. Like that's a lot of word of mouth and I'm on site. So that was an easy sell. And of course, you know, they got kickbacks on, or, you know, extras on the tattoos that they wanted and, you know, it just worked out great. And they ended up actually becoming family. Oh, that's incredible. Now, did you have uh, a lease agreement? How, how, how technical did you get, or did you just set up a chair, set up your stand and let's rock and roll? Uh, I didn't do a lease with them just because we, we hit it off really well right off the bat, but I mean, I had all the business licenses, all everything like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a complete fly by night, but um, it was the whole, just when you really want to make something work, you just got to find a way to do it. And so not only was, I looked at the situation of being in the back of a barbershop and I realized I had to stand out. So I went to all the local shops and I picked apart all the things I didn't like about their shops. And one thing about tattooing is uh, customer service doesn't exist. Uh, it's very rare that you can walk into a tattoo shop and get a warm welcome. And, you know, people that care. Uh, I couldn't understand at the time. Um, now I understand basically, you know, I'm sure they had a soul at one point, but clients kind of burned it out of them. <laughs> but uh, I basically filled the gap and made a better version smaller. And I succeeded all the way through. That's awesome. So tell us, um, you know, you went through this apprenticeship, um, was part of your business that you then landed behind the, or inside the uh, barbershop, were those some people that you brought with, or did you start cold turkey al along with, obviously the, the walk-in traffic that was coming in with the barbershop? No, I, I started cold turkey because that the other town was, three and a half hours away. I mean, oh, wow. sure. Maybe one or two came up eventually, but I mean, I wasn't, I, I started from absolute scratch. And so I basically made my prices competitive. Uh, I leaned on the fact I did know people in the area and I just started marketing like crazy, something that tattoo shops just don't do. Nice. Well, let's, let's, uh, that's a beautiful transition, right? Uh, you start your business, you have the idea, you did the work to go three and a half hours away to be an apprentice now you have that knowledge, you team up with a great source of just walk-in traffic. You knew that, but not only that, you actually talked about now marketing. So walk us a little bit about how you started marketing your tattoo business, Kalamuk. So starting off, you know, I had put out all the money I had available right at hand into building this out, all the licensing, everything like that. And equipment, I mean, tattoo equipment gets real expensive really quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I needed to figure out cost-effective ways to do it. Well, I've always been a Facebook person. So I went to Facebook. I started learning about, I started trying Facebook ads and I, I just literally walked on all the different marketing things, checking off what worked and what didn't because I didn't have a marketing background. So I always say I'm the, I'm the smartest dumb person you'll ever meet uh, <laughs> because of the experiences I have come from failing over and over and over and over again. I just don't give up. So I basically walk down, check each box, you know, until I find the path of least resistance. The one that worked best for me were actually the buy sell groups. Um, local in my area, there's a couple of them that have over 60,000 members. So when I do posts on there, 
I can get in front of a very large audience local and it's free. So I would just do a post on there every couple of days. I would make sure to mix it up, look for specific keywords that work best, look for, you know, things like that. And I later got into, you know, targeted uh, Facebook ads and funnels and all that stuff. But I definitely started with the buy sell groups because it was a great way to center my target market and get out there for free. That's genius, man. So really you, you started thinking of innovative ways, uh, doing something different than the marketplace was doing. Your competitors weren't even thinking this way, obviously. So you're, you're doing something out of the box and then combining different industries, different areas of, of uh, where your clients were going to be. We always talk about on Clubhouse, right? Where, where are your clients at, right? Where they were at the barbershop, they were at this, you know, this other source, you know, so it's incredible to think about how you started to think that way. So tell us, um, you know, when you start marketing that way, what are two or three different areas that you thought to yourself, like, all right, Hey, this is really starting to work. How do I double down the money? And how do I then increase the volume of that? So all that kind of stuff, the, it, it, it's a multi-level uh, puzzle. So basically, if you if you increase one side, another side is going to have to increase along with it because there's always a give and take everywhere you go. So you have to really get down to the nuts and bolts, put it all down on paper and break it down. So you're like, OK, if this goes up over here, what's going to be required on this side? And it's always a caught, you know, really, after all these years in business, time is always against you. Time is the most valuable commodity that you have. You know, I mean, making money. Yeah, absolutely. But if you try to do everything yourself, you will hit a ceiling where you're just out of hours. At the end of the day, there's not enough hours. So you're really understanding not only where your customer customers are at, but going beyond the surface is a great way to figure out where your customers are always at. Because I'm sitting in a chair with people and they're telling me stories about their day and I can ask them questions throughout the day. And I will literally pick apart what kind of person they are and remember the start recognizing the patterns in my behavior, in, in their behavior. Oh, you know, man, there's, you know, 10 people in the last week that are all going to this type of concert. Well, guess what? Now I know that, that uh, a large portion of my clientele are in that, into that type of music, into that music scene or this bar, or this, 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 but at the same time, you don't want to focus just on that one. You want to look for parallel uh, locations that still fit the same business, the same model, because you're going to, it's great if they all go to Joe's bar up the street, but you know, what about Robert's bar across the street? It's the exact same feel as that one. That's where you're going to find new clientele that are outside of the people you've already connected with. Uh, I'm very tactical in the way I do everything. So it's just really breaking it down and, for the love of God, see the unseen because mm -hmm. it's so important to see the words behind the words, the intentions behind the words and reading between the lines at all times. That's deep, brother. That's deep. You know, in business, it's, uh, it's one of those things, right? Uh, it's kind of the number one self, um, self, uh, education, right. Self improvement, uh, industry in the world to be an entrepreneur. So, <laughs> uh, it's incredible to, to know. So, so look, we, we went through, you know, you have this idea, you wanted to make a change, you invested the time, you got the apprenticeship. 
then you join forces with a shop that really had this real cool mechanism of people that were there, that were your clients. And then you also thought about these broad ways of marketing. And then on top of it, you're actually talking to the clients that you get to have more intel. So you're like this data accruing machine, right? <laughs> of, of ways <laughs> of getting to get better. So, so tell us a little bit about kind of just operationally, you know, what you started doing. So you get in the marketing, you're getting people in your chair. How are you handling the business itself? Uh, charging clients, you know, trying to understand the marketplace of, of what your price points could be, you know, those types of areas, less, uh, a little bit of a window into that. So being an artist is the most self-defeating, uh, self-hating profession you can ever have. Um, you, you basically hate everything that walks out the door when you look at it a second time. You're like, man, I wish I could have done this more. You could have done this more. So you really get an imposter syndrome kind of thing going on when it comes to pricing and everything. You're like, man, would people really pay this much or really pay this much? And the truth is, is you need to tell that voice to shut up and, and ask somebody you trust who is honest with you to give you their opinion. Because I mean, I slowly walk my prices up and every single time I, I would jump $10 an hour, $20 an hour. Uh, I, I was like that cringy, like, Oh God, is this the one where the, the straw that just goes too far? Um, now I'm up to $170 an hour. And the last jump I did, cause I was hoping it would cut my schedule down and I've never been busier. Oh, that's <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm actually going to probably go to a ridiculous price from here. Um, just because I'm finally over the whole imposter syndrome thing. Um, I have now got like high-end artists reaching out to me from across the country telling me how great I am. And I'm like, all right, shut up. What do you want? <laughs> but uh, it's hard to, it's hard to wrap your head around the whole growth of everything, especially when you're in the middle of it, because you're so overwhelmed from so many different sides. So it's really important to just pause and have somebody around you you trust who won't won't hold a punch won't hold a punch won't won't feed you anything but the absolute truth and that's a great way to kind of use as a thermometer of how you're doing when you're in the middle of dealing with everything going on i mean as i started to scale um i needed to hire front counter people to deal with you know scheduling and everything like that so i could get more of my time back um i had to you know, get them into funnels and Facebook groups. And that's definitely a work in progress. And then I had to optimize uh, my scheduling even more. You know, we switched to um, digital release forms. So it's easier to gather information without having to do anything other than, you know, pull up all the information that separates itself. Uh, there, there's so much of this as a learning curve as you go along. Um, and while you're also trying to learn to be a great artist on top of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're trying to do guest spots and new, th new places so you can learn from people. And um, it's a, it, it's a lot. I, I fully believe that any, when you get your business license, you should get a trophy with it and it ain't a participation trophy. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like le legitimately you either have it or you don't and you have to want it at the end of the day if you are not willing to just throw everything you got at it you you just you i don't see how you can succeed yeah, you know no, you you can have all the information in the world it does nothing without action as a matter of fact you need no information if you have enough action i'm proof of that <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, it's just, you got to keep learning always every day, always try to find new and innovative ways to make things easier because the, the more simple and automated you can make things, the bigger you can scale. I mean, you don't see Microsoft, you know, working off one person telling each individual employee exactly what to do, dealing with every customer. You have to find processes and automations to make it work. In all types of businesses, right? Mm. And, you know, for those of you thinking like, well, it's the ink business, right? It's just Shadow. <laughs> it's himself. He's the best at it. No, he started, uh, you know, he, he just shared, right? Uh, that first experience, Shadow, of being a boss. What, what was that like? Let's go a little bit deeper on that. And, you know, when you first hired someone, how did you think like, hey, well, how am I going to afford them? Had you already had some consistent, you know, three, four, six, ten months of real revenue of coming in? You knew that, hey, I'm going to take this salary out of that revenue, but I could also uh, impart this amount to someone for working for me. Or what was that like for you? So um, in, in my industry, other artists that I hire actually work on their independent contractors. So uh, that, that makes it easier. I just covered the supplies. Um, but I did, when I started hiring like my counterperson, everything like that, um, I definitely knew I was generating enough money. I did the math on everything and it, it was, it, it was worth the dollar to be able to put it out. But I definitely feel like I take on my employees lives when you hire somebody like you're responsible to, you know, to get that paycheck to them so that they can feed their family. If they did the work, they deserve that paycheck. And so you really, you either need to have a real solid conversation with these people to explain your position if you're really small, or you need to just make it happen first before yourself. You know, I mean, everybody, every business has had times where they run into a lean point and it's just like, man, okay, so my house payment's gonna be late, but you're getting your paycheck because I won't do that to them, especially when they've done the work. Hmm. No. That's it. That's a really great way to kind of showcase leadership uh, in the tough and the good times, right? Uh, you were having some great times. You understood what it took to then bring on someone as on the admin side, uh, the independent contractor side for your industry. Um, what, what are some dynamics with that? Uh, did people start to approach you seeing that you were doing a lot of volume and saying, Hey, is there, any way I can be a part of this or, or did you want to like, as you filled up your schedule and there's only 24 hours in a day, you thought to yourself, Hey, I bet it out some other people that could be uh, maybe not to your talent, but uh, you know, could service your clients. Well, so actually starting off, I was making sure I hired people that were better than me because I wanted the experience. Mm -hmm. So basically I lured in better talent by basically giving them very, very competitive uh, wages uh, or percentages. And making sure that they their schedules were filled out uh finding tattoo artists is highly difficult you know you can't just post a help wanted ad because i promise you everything that walks through the door you don't want um <laughs> yeah. it it's amazing to me the way people show up for interviews and asking for apprenticeships because i i before i ever set foot in a tattoo shop i had studied every square inch of the industry and i had followed all the advice I knew what to expect. And I'd say 95% of the people that come through the door looking for apprenticeships do it as horribly wrong as you could possibly dream of. Like they show up. Okay. Rule number one, show up with our work, you know, 
pretty basic, right? Like you need to know you've got some skill. Um, when uh, don't show up with bad tattoos because you're not telling the artist that you're ahead of the game. You're actually telling them you have bad habits that they have to break before they can get you even on, on par. And about 95% show up and go, hey, curious. Uh, I want to know if I can get like an apprenticeship. Cool, man, where's your artwork? Uh, let me uh, look at my phone. I think I got something I did back in high school. Now you've just told me that you haven't done artwork in years. But bro, look at these sick tats I'm doing. They're, they're, not, they're not sick, man. Like, like that, That's about 95% of the people that walk through the door. So I have to actively look for artists and good artists shop owners hold on to really really well hmm. um so we have we have curated a pretty awesome team at the moment uh, i got another artist coming in well next week actually um but it's all about building an environment that they want to be in and so hiring in our industry is a nightmare so you're talking about recruiting brother you know, and that, that, that can be a word that a lot of people in different industries uh, take in certain ways. Uh, you got the traditional LinkedIn out there, you know, these recruiters, you got uh, network marketing called recruiting, you got, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos and Steve uh, Jobs that had to recruit uh, to someone that became the CEO that then took his job uh, at <laughs> Apple. It's kind of funny, but recruit, recruit, recruit. I mean, we're always recruiting, looking for great talent. So, Tell us one thing that you talk about to a new recruit that you have your eyeball on that people can really learn from of how you talk to them. So uh, it goes back to the see the unseen thing. Um, when I, when I ask my questions, just like I was describing the people that came through the door and what they tell me versus what I'm looking for, you know, I like the questions I ask uh, usually have much more complicated uh, understandings behind them. I mean, right down to uh, what was the last concert you went to? I mean, things like that. Like, just because you can follow the patterns of a type of person. Um, how many shops have you worked at? Oh, you've been in 35 shops? Well, I know that shop owners hold on to good artists. So uh, if you hit 35, and, and then I also listen to see what they say about those guys. Because me personally, like, if I have a issue in part of my life, even when I'm talking about it, I always own my part. Okay. Because that basically says I'm not the victim. This just went badly. And it happens to all of us. But when it's like, when they trash talk the last three people they work for, uh, you're angling to be number four. So uh, it, it's definitely reading between the lines on so many different levels. Um, how do they show up uh, dress wise? Uh, how do they, what do they drink? I mean, you can literally tear apart every little part of a person and gain some level of understanding. I mean, somebody that, somebody that drinks a diet soda, well, they care a little bit more about their health. You know, I mean, there's, there's so many different angles that if you just pay attention, you can see a lot simply by, looking at their everyday life. So I'm going to take this conversation a little bit of a twist because I think you are a deep, deep interview, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I love, I love your, your sense of really <clears throat> understanding. So can you tell us, um, was that just 
the way you grew up? I mean, uh, how, how did you get this sense of really kind of depth that you have? Uh, we usually talk business, go for CEO channel, but uh, man, having shadow on is going to, is going to interrupt our pattern here. So wanna, how do you think, how is it that you develop that type of thinking? And then we'll get into obviously the, the end of uh, CEO with client experience, employee engagement and operations. But I like, I'm intrigued now of how you got to where you are the way that you think. Well, um, I highly do not recommend doing it the way I did it, which was, I told you, I'm the, the smartest dumb person you'll ever meet. Um, basically, I ended up in some real dark places in the world. And that's a skill that keeps you alive. Mm. <laughs> so being able to read a room perfectly uh, was a skill that was highly needed for me at the time. <laughs> but for there was a period in my life where I couldn't wrap my head around somebody with my intelligence level would make just such horrible choices. And so I took a, a span of about six months and I just meditated every day for hours. And I took every single memory I had in my head and I looked at it all from every perspective I could possibly draw from it. And unknowingly it gave me a um, knowledge of self that I've noticed that very few people actually have mm -hmm. you know i mean who's got six months to basically sit and meditate just to figure out who the heck you are you know <laughs> but that everything in life has a reason and the 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 dumb you know hard parts of my life play very very well into my future now because it's given me unique skill sets it's given me perspective it's made me incredibly resilient yet incredibly kind because I, I i've been in you know very very wealthy environments i've also been in very very dangerous uh environments and both of them have lessons both of them give you perspective and if you don't have perspective in life, then you're missing the ball. I guarantee it. I mean, I was talking with, uh, we had a family gathering recently and one of my cousins is dating an ex prosecutor and the prosecutor, as I'm sitting there talking to him, I realized this man has never had a life experience outside of his bubble ever because he his knowledge came with zero wisdom hmm. and that scared me that, you know, somebody like him had been in charge of the prosecutor's office. You know, if you, if, if you can't have wisdom, then knowledge does you no good. That's deep, man. Uh, empathy, right. Uh, it's something that, uh, you know, you know, the difference between sympathy and empathy, we won't break it down, but uh, empathy talks volumes in that scenario of how you really get to understand what they're feeling, how they're feeling, right? Uh, where that is and, and how you can relate to that. So cool. So look, go for CEO channel. I know that we typically don't go down that route, but uh, with shadow, there's, you know, you just never know where you're going to go. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And thank you so much for kind of giving us a, a window into how you think, why you think, and taking six months to meditate is fantastic. Um, you know, so Look, uh, as we wrap up the interview here, Shadow, you know, at the Gopher CEO uh, community, we want to see you every six to 12 months. We'd like to just keep on pursuing that 
that uh, avenue of, of building a tribe, hopefully on our channel to follow you and vice versa, you know, inviting the people that you deal with and do business with to look at our channel to share these wonderful stories of CEOs, founders and entrepreneurs. So uh, I know that we uh, are waiting for this little bomb that we're going to uh, blurst out uh, as far as what you're doing outside of Kalamaka Inc. But let's end up with Kalamaka Inc. on the CEO. So client experience, employee engagement and operational excellence. How about 30 seconds on how you truly are a differentiator in your market with a client experience? So in, 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 like I said, when I first uh, opened a shop, I went and looked at all the things that the other shops were not doing. I looked for the gaps in customer experience. Um, so what I do is I actually care. I actually do things that show customers that, um, not only do I care about their tattoo, but I care about who they are as a person because everyone just wants somebody that is authentic, real, and actually cares. You know, um, it's really easy to stand out as a business owner by simply doing one or two little tiny touches that say, I actually care. I mean, it's if you send, send a card with a hand signed, you know, signature that just says, thank you. They remember that kind of stuff. And when you stand out as a person, your business will always stand out above the rest. Love it. Love it. So the next one is employee engagement. And I know that you started to scale with a front office person at the beginning. You really recruited the best talent on the independent contractor side. So tell us, why do people love to be with uh, Kalamaka Inc? Uh, and how that engagement, what do you do to kind of flourish that engagement? So uh, in the engagement with employees, uh, we, <laughs> I make sure to have fun. We, we definitely, we, we are very, very, very business centered, of course, but you, you have to break it up and, you know, like we'll go out to dinner. Um, we get silly. Like one of my artists brought in a bunch of fully automatic Nerf guns recently. And like, I'm in the middle of tattooing and it sounds like a war zone out in the main room that <laughs> nobody was at. And I'm like, what the hell's going <laughs> and like all's yeah it was a whole thing but you can you can have employees but actually also have a friendship as long as you can maintain that balance it, it's a great way to make people feel like they're a part of the business not just an employee that's awesome that's awesome so last one is operational excellence you know um, you know you can have all the sales in the world you can have a lot of client experience. You have all that stuff, but if you're operationally, un, you know, not fundamental about the way you're doing your business, what do you think is uh, one of those secrets that maybe Kalamaka has of how you set up your business to succeed? Well, um, for one, I think I'm the only tattoo shop that does like real marketing. Uh, <laughs> everyone else just kind of they may post on their own personal Facebooks, but there's no like shop-driven marketing out there. Uh, for some reason, my industry just kind of got passed over. So it's kind of a free for all. Um, like we, we built out this whole funnel, I guess, six months ago. Uh, the first day I turned it on in consultation requests alone was about $25,000 worth of work in five hours. Wow. So, I mean, when, when I was able to implement systems that no one else was doing that actually applied to my business. And the work has to come first, obviously, but I'm able to do what no one else is doing. And it's just free game. I mean, I could literally take on 10 artists right now and 
they'd still be booked out six months. That's incredible, man. So what an incredible voyage that you've just taken us on over the last 30, 40 minutes, Shadow. And, uh, you know, super excited to have you on in the next six to 12 months. I think that's one of the things that we're trying to distinguish ourselves and the Go for CO channel is bringing back our interviews, having a tribe follow you and just learn really what it really takes to drive, uh, especially in your industry, right? The Kalamaka Inc. and how you guys are the leaders in your industry. So now is the time that we're going to take about <laughs> five minutes here to end our uh, interview with a bombshell, right? So this guy builds a phenomenal ink business. And now the last three to four months goes deep into the audio side of things. And you can see his setup. I mean, it's, it's killing my setup. He's got it ridiculously put together. His sound is fantastic. Dude, like, what are you doing in the audio space now? Oh, losing my mind. <laughs> no, <laughs> no um, I, so I found Clubhouse and I, I kept seeing the unseen. Something in the back of my head was saying, there's something here. And this one phrase got stuck that I kept hearing. It says, with all the people getting on Clubhouse, you're going to have to stand out. You're going to have to stand out. And I stepped back and I went, wait, why is nobody innovating the audio? And when I had the thought, there was a guy in the room who owned 981 radio stations. And I'm like, well, if anyone had figured out, I'd be that guy, right? It, okay. I, I, I literally felt like I was in the twilight zone. So um, I took 20 minutes Googling, figured out how to improve the audio. I ran the first clubhouse game show. And then I'm like, hmm, I wonder what else can be done. Man, wouldn't it be nice if Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and all them uh, could have that authenticity that clubhouse has? I wonder if I can actually send Clubhouse to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the rest of them. And once I get a thought, I become very, very obsessive. It's a great, it's a great and debilitating uh, business uh, tool. When you have a thought and follow through, no matter what you run up against, that's how you win. So basically, I figured out how to take your phone screen and I can pull Clubhouse up on it and I can put it into my video and I can access any live feed I can from my laptop and be able to send it everywhere. And now I'm having software developed that will allow everybody to do this. So now you'll be able to take the conversations from Clubhouse. You'll be able to stream them to Facebook. You'll be able to stream to YouTube. You'll be able to stream them to tons of different platforms, or you can hit restream and just hit them all. I send my clubhouse conversations to 22 different social media accounts at the same time so i can do up to 40 uh, <laughs> but i don't have 40 i mean like even when i when i stream clubhouse just because i can i'm even streaming to a, like a vietnamese gaming <laughs> social media that i didn't even know existed um but i really believe in the authenticity of clubhouse i believe that things like facebook and all them it becomes so toxic and I, I managed to put my thumb on it. it. What it is, is it's the exact same difference between when you send your wife a text or you give her a phone call. See, when you send a text, it can be taken any way you want. Well, guess what? Posts are texts, but we can actually hear the voice. That's when you know what people mean. That's when you get to hear the real person. So being able to send clubhouse. And as a matter of fact, it's not app specific. You can send green room. Facebook's coming out with a version. You can send that to Instagram. Uh, 
LinkedIn's coming out with a version. You can send that to YouTube. Uh, there's no, there's no end of cross-platform possibility, but I want to see social audio succeed. And I'm literally going to break social media as a whole. Uh, six years, I won't be a competitor of Facebook. I'll be a threat, a legitimate threat to all the big social medias. And I've got a built out plan to actually do this and I'm executing it daily. <laughs> I've been working 19 hours a day between my business and this. Um, I figured out how to make fully interactive television now. So uh, next week, we will actually be demoing. I will be live on TV and you can talk to me in real time. Hmm. So I have investors already interested in that. Imagine like you're watching a cooking show. You miss something. You know, it, it happens, but it's live. How do you go back? Well, you don't pick up your phone, press a button. Hey, uh, what was that? Was that oregano you just used? The person on TV goes, oh, it looks like Sarah's got a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That was oregano I was just using. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Not a problem, Sarah. That is sick. Sick, <laughs> sick. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, look, I mean, so many cool things coming down a pike, right? AR, VR, AI, all this stuff. Uh, I will say I, I am super glad to have people like you now in my life because I am just not technically sound. Uh, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I have to invest more and I have to do the the, the thing that you talk about, right? It's really just going in depth, but it's so cool to have uh, relationships and people that really kind of see the vision of where we could go and where we can be. And I am super supportive of it. So go for CEO channel, follow my man and shadow. How are some ways that people can get a hold of you on social media? Uh, maybe a Kalamaka, like how, what are some ways that they can communicate with you? So uh, we have all social medias. <laughs> um, some are built out more than others. Facebook is the absolute easiest. Uh, Kalamaka Inc. It's K-A-L-A-M-A-L-K-A. -A -A -A. I'm sure we'll put it somewhere in there. Um, and I'm also on Instagram is a big one. It is at Tattoo Shadow. Pretty easy to remember. Um, and we also got some kind of cool videos on YouTube that we have actually, my, my social media guy is actually a professional videographer. So when I, when I can drive him into building one of his pro videos, uh, their TV quality and, uh, don't, don't forget to check us out on TikTok. We got a pretty good TikTok. We got like 14,000 followers on there right now. So nice. <laughs> we got, we got, we, we got some things on there that, uh, will definitely make you laugh and understand we do have fun sometimes. And we definitely can get a little silly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, hey, the culture you're building at Kalamaka and everything around you is just phenomenal. I know that you've been one of the leaders on Clubhouse. Uh, every time people hear you speak, uh, you get people following you because they just want to be around that aura. So thank you so much, Shadow, for being on the Gopher CEO channel. We hope to be able to use the technology, be one of the subscribers to it and be able to uh, share this. I mean, it, I, I'm already thinking like I'm doing an interview and I can put it on 14 different uh, channels and, and really, really cool stuff. So thank you for dropping the bomb at the end there. I am John the bomb building others means business. My boy shadow here on the gopher CEO community. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. And by the way, subscribe to, I always forget this darn thing. Subscribe to subscribe. the channel. Right? I think it's smash, up. Smash the like button. <laughs> and then also, Hey, leave a comment for shadow. I'd love to, for him to just interact with you. 
on the posts that we're going to do in the next uh, you know, few days of being able to drop this on there and really share with them what you thought about this interview. So thank you so much, Shadow. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. I appreciate it so much, John. You are amazing. All right, my brother. Thank you.